0: For those of you who are new, my name is Johnny Pereira. I have the privilege of being the senior pastor here at Salem Chapel. So glad to have you in this room. Uh, so glad to have you, those of you watching online. Believe it or not, we had a decent crowd here at the 9 a.m. in spite of the weather. And, uh, and so it's been a good day already. I know that it's gonna be that again because we're gonna get into God's word. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter two. We're gonna look today at verses four through nine, Uh, and next week we're going to deal with verses 10 through 12. So originally we had scheduled to work all the way through verse 12, from four all the way to verse 12, and I'll explain in a minute uh, while we pivoted a little bit. Uh, in that plan. Uh, We are in a brand new series, if you are brand new with us, whether you're in this auditorium, you're watching us online, entitled Different. We kick this off in the new year, the second week uh, in the new year of 2021. What we mean by that is if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've placed your trust in him as your Lord and Savior, then you are different. Uh, You're no longer who you used to be. And so what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus Christ, if that is you, to not only understand that we are different in who we are, but that we've also been called to live differently, faithfully, in a world that's not our final home. See, the reality is, is no matter how great the experiences in life are, and praise God that we have those moments in our life, and at the same time with the great moments, there are also difficult moments in our life, that as a follower of Jesus, that this is not my ultimate heaven that I live in, but that I have something to look forward to that transcends whatever good I experience, whatever difficult I experience on this earth, that I have not only been given a relationship because of Jesus Christ, but I've also been given a new reality, a new home through Jesus Christ that one day awaits me when my time on this earth is done. And the reason why we're looking at that uh, idea about the Christian life is because First Peter is all about that. First Peter, uh, Peter uses these words, we are sojourners, we are exiles. In other words, there's something different about us. And not in a uh, pretentious way, but just in a way that really allows us to be grounded and anchored and rooted, whatever word you want to use, that gives us stability to be able to walk through the difficult times in life and to also remind ourselves of that in the enjoyable times of life. And so this morning, as I said, we're in verses 4 through 12, and so hopefully you're there uh, I'm going to read verse 4. I'm actually going to read through the entire passage of Scripture, even though we're not going to cover verses 10 through 12, because we're really breaking this up into two Sundays. So by the way, if you are watching us online, you want to make you don't want to stop just watching today. You want to watch next week as well, if you're here in person. Like, you want to be here next week. Hopefully it doesn't snow. Uh, it seems like in North Carolina, I've been here four years, it only snows on Sundays. Wasn't told that in the interview, but nevertheless, that's the reality. I'm joking. Verse 4, let's look at it. As you come to him, a living stone, him being Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, so Peter's going to quote a couple Old Testament passages of Scripture from Isaiah 28 and Psalm 118. That's what he's referring to here. He says, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you ought to write your name above that word you. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, or he's referring to Gentiles. Remember, he's writing to a Jewish group of people that are scattered across five provinces of the Roman Empire. So Gentiles really meaning anyone who's not a follower of Jesus in in this context. Keep your conduct among people who don't believe in Jesus as the Savior honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here's the title of the message this morning. One foundation. One. This church has one foundation. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have one foundation. Not two, not a few, not many. One foundation. Just say that word with me. One. Say it again. One. One foundation. Foundation. Here's the idea that I want you to get today that comes straight from this passage of Scripture. You are different. Can you say those words with me? You are different. So much in me right now wants me to to ask you to say that to the person next to you, but I'm not going to do so. You are different. I am different. But I'm not only different. I'm also called to live differently when Christ is my foundation, when Christ is your foundation. I'm different when Christ is my foundation, but I'm also called to live differently when Christ is my foundation. See, here's, the, here's often what we slide into as followers of Jesus Christ especially when we're encountering struggles, especially when when, when we're taken out of our normal routine, whatever that may be, is we begin to view our relationship with the Lord as something of duty. Right? Well, the Lord says I need to be in church and be in, in biblical community and worship God with other people and and, and, and have that. I need to be in God's word. I need to pray. I, I, I need to understand that my resources are not mine, they're all His. And, and if we're not careful, we can allow outside circumstances to cause us to view our relationship with the Lord, our Christianity, as something of duty. When in reality, what Peter is emphasizing in this passage of Scripture to a group of Christians who are scattered, who are separated from their families. Who are, in, who are wondering, are they going to be persecuted today? Are they going to be oppressed today in some way? What he's bringing them back to, because they've been taken out of their norm, their life has been disrupted, is he's bringing them back to be reminded that the Christian life is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. The Christian life is made up of a tremendous spiritual blessing that comes from Jesus. And I wonder how many of you in this room, your spiritual equilibrium, if we want to call it that, is off. Because you've allowed outside voices and outside circumstances to cause you to forget what you've been given and who you are. Ephesians 1, 3, Paul, not Peter, but Paul says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is he blessed? Why do we praise him? Why do we acknowledge who he is? It says he has blessed us, blessed you as a follower of Jesus, blessed me as a follower of Jesus with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, the plan was when I calendared out and decided how do we break up this letter of 1 Peter was to deal from verses 4 through verse 12 all in one Sunday But as I was studying this week, I was like, man, there are too many ramifications to how we live out who we are that cannot be covered in one week. There's too many ways to show us and to remind us how the Bible is relevant to what we're experiencing today, to what you may be experiencing today, to what I may be experiencing today. And so what I want to do this morning is, instead is that's why I want to break up this passage into two sections, one that we'll deal with today, one that we'll deal with next week. Here's what I want to focus on today. I want to focus on today what it means that we are different. That's what I want to focus on today. Here's why. So let me illustrate it this way. So uh, if, you've ever, if you've ever bought a car, or you've ever looked for a home, or um, you have ever like even uh, wanted to decide on what phone you should get, I mean, whatever it is, but let's just focus on, just focus on a car, a home, a phone, right, because we can all identify with that. At the end of the day, why do you need a car? Well, you need a car to get you from point A to point B so you don't have to walk everywhere, Right? Why do you need a house? You need some place to keep you warm. You need some place that you can be clean. Why do you need a phone? Well, some would argue you don't. But well, why do you need a phone? Why do I need so I can communicate to the people that I love, to the people that I work with, to the people that need me, to the people that I need, right? That's what we That's what they're for. But think about when you've last looked for a car. What have you done? You find out the car that you're interested. In. Maybe it's because you saw it driving down the road, maybe because of a commercial, whatever it is, and you're like, hey, I'm kind of interested in that car, that truck. So what do you do? Well, you start doing research, right? You start geeking out over it. And uh, you start doing some, you know, you start looking and saying, well, what are the features that it has? Does it have power steering? Pretty important thing to have. Does it have analog brakes? Is it four-wheel drive in the case that it might snow in North Carolina? Does it have power windows? Does it have lane assist, like it tells me where I, where, that, that someone's on my blind spot? Now, does it even drive for me when I take my hand off the wheel? What do you do? You, you're interested in all the features that the car does, right? And based on those features, or maybe you even weren't aware of those features, you're like, wow, the what has informed why I need it. Think about your house, you're looking for a house. At the end of the day, what do you need? You need a roof over your head and some running water so that you can be clean, right? But I remember, I mean, this is the longest we've ever lived in one house, the Pereiras. We are crossing the threshold of four years in the same house. Right, but I remember when we were looking at our house in North Carolina, like we had one weekend to find a house, by the way. Lori has been learned to be very decisive being married to me, by the way. That, that's free, that's not it, relate to the message at all. But anyway, we were, we were looking for a house, and so you know we were going through and you know what I wanted? I mean, Lori was thinking about square footage and layout, and yeah, I was, I was thinking about those things too, but you want to know what I wanted more than anything? My own sink. And I don't mean like, you know, some of you may have, you know, you walk into the master bath and and, and you have two sinks, you know, and a long countertop. No, 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 no. I wanted my own sink. And and Lori was okay with me sharing this. You know why? Because in our other house in Florida, we had two sinks. It's a very nice bathroom. But you know what I found? My section became less... And less, and less overtime. To where, I mean, I don't have to do my hair in the morning, so that's a plus, right? But, but at the same time, I'm brushing my teeth like this because everything else is, so you know what I wanted, man? I just wanted my own sink. So I had my, I have my own sink. Lori has this long area. It's massive. She can sprawl out. She can, she can, you know, do whatever she does to her heart's content. I got my own sink. Did I? Did I have to have that? No, I didn't. But you know what I was concerned about? What are the features of the home? You know, and all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, this home has this and it has this. And I'm like, well, I didn't even know that that was something I would want. But now that I know the what, all of a sudden I see why I need it. Think about your phone. You have no idea that you needed a 12 pixel phone. 12 pixels. 12, mic, what is it, pixels on, I'm saying it wrong, all the camera people are freaking out, the 12 pixels on your phone to take pictures, you're like, at the end of the day, I just want to take pictures, but all of a sudden I know, man, I can get 12 pixels, I can get whatever it is, all of a sudden I can zoom in, all of a sudden I have Dolby, whatever. Oh, I didn't know I need that, but now that I know the what, now all of a sudden I understand why. Now I give all of those silly things that pale, obviously in comparison to what peter's doing here he's bringing back people that are struggling back to the what because when you remind yourself of the what it helps you appreciate and rem- and understand and see the significance of the why See, I could take this passage of Scripture and we could just simply focus on how are we to live differently? How am I supposed to live differently? How am I supposed to live differently and view differently politics? How am I supposed to view differently racial tensions? How am I supposed to view differently, how am I supposed to be different in my relationships? How am I supposed to be different in others? And all of those are very important things. But if they are not rooted in the what? We drift. And what I want to do this morning is I just want us to celebrate the what. Can we do that today? I just want to celebrate what we have in Jesus Christ. Why we are different. And bring ourselves back to that which never changes. Because so many of us have angst in us. We're stressed out. We are just dealing with so many emotions, and I wonder if it's because we've drifted from reminding ourselves and grounding ourselves in what we have in Jesus. So the first question I want to answer this morning is this, how are you different because of Christ? That's the one question. Next week, we'll, live, we'll deal with how we live differently, but we first got to deal with the what, what do I have in Christ as my foundation? i want to give you five things. Here's the first one, and it was, it's found in verse four through, and verse six and verse seven and verse eight, and it's this. You have a solid foundation to build your life upon. We're just saying, I will build my life. I will trust you. I'm sitting there singing that song, you know what my prayer is? Lord, let this not just be words that I sing, but let it be a reality in my life today. And then when I move from that, Lord, the people were singing this song collectively, let it not just be words that we sing, but may it be a reality in our life today. Today. Because with this passage of Scripture, what Peter does is he reminds us, you have a foundation if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says again. We're going to deal with some significance, the significance of some of these words. It says, as you come to him. That word come is an interesting word. It literally means... We would view it and say, well, he's speaking of salvation, like when I come to Jesus, when I place my trust in Jesus. We heard Kristen's story. There was a time in her life where, where she realized that, that what she was seeking after was not enough. She needed a relationship with Jesus. And I would say to that, yes, that's partly what that word means. But the tense in which that word is used, that word come, just doesn't speak of me placing my Trust in Jesus, but it also speaks on how I'm continually growing in that reality, in my relationship with Jesus. Think about your life. Think about when you placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. He did a change in you. Now God sees you not as someone separated from him, but he sees you as one of his children. Why? Because you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his perfect life for you, his death for you, his resurrection for you. So you have begun a relationship with Jesus Christ and praise God for that. But after I place my trust in Christ, that's not where it stops. I continually grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. So when Peter says, hey, as you come to him, as you have placed your faith and trust in him, as you are growing in him, and then he describes Jesus here, he says he's a living stone. Literally means a building stone. The Old Testament speaks of God as a rock, refers to God as the foundation and the strength of his people. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ calls himself the rock. He says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church upon this rock, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Jesus is referred to as a rock in the New Testament. The Lord is referred to as a rock in the Old Testament. But why is this stone, why is this rock described as living? Did you think about that? If you you were in our reading plan, why is it described as living? What's the significance of that? Because Jesus Christ isn't dead. He's alive. He's living. And because Jesus Christ's story didn't end on the cross and he's alive today, that means he has the power to give life to you. And he has the power to give life to me. He's a living stone. This stone is what? It's rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen. In other words, not everyone accepts Christ as their savior. Jesus didn't have 100% acceptance when he shared that he was the Messiah, that he was the coming Lord. He didn't didn't have 100% acceptance. He was rejected by many. But the rejection of who he is does not change who he is. He's described by Peter here as chosen in the sight of God, which means that he met every qualification for him to be the sacrifice for our sin. See, I couldn't die for you and you couldn't die for me. You know why? Because we're both sinners and God is holy And he needed a substitute. I needed a substitute. So God in the flesh, Jesus Christ came and he lived perfection for you. He died on the cross for your sins. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And he rose again three days later. All that was part of God's plan. Jesus Christ, this living stone, was chosen. God had a plan to save you and save me. And He's described not only as chosen, but as precious. In other words, He's perfect. That word means costly. It costs God everything to save you, it costs God everything to offer you salvation today, whether you're in this room or you're watching online. And it says in verse 6, for it stands in Scripture. This is where Peter, as I said earlier, quotes Old Testament, Isaiah 28 and Psalm 118. It says, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone. What's the significance of that? More so back then than today, though there's cornerstones today in construction. But the first stone that was set when they were building something during this time was the cornerstone. It was the center of masonry foundation. It was, it was that first stone that was set amongst all the other stones. And all the other stones would be set in reference to this stone. In fact, the cornerstone determined where the building would be pointed. And if you removed this cornerstone, then the rest of the structure would fall. So when Jesus is referred to as the cornerstone, he's the one that laid the foundation for your salvation and for mine. He's the one who built his church. He's the one who built his church to be pointed to him, not you, not me, him. And without him as the foundation, everything else crumbles is the point. He says, this cornerstone is chosen and is precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You know why a verse like Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus is such an amazing verse? Because it's built on Jesus Christ. And if my life is built on Jesus Christ, and I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior, then there's no shame that God gives towards me. Verse seven, so the honor is for you who believe. You know what he's saying? This is what makes you different. This is what is so honorable about what God has done for you through Jesus. That if you believe in this, you have honor. It's precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. In other words, think about it this way. There was probably a time for you, if you were saved at, a, at maybe older than a child, or that there was a time for you where you thought that believing in Jesus for your salvation was a joke. Right? It was a stumbling block, But when God opened your eyes, all of a sudden you didn't see it as a stumbling block. You said, no, no, Jesus is my cornerstone. That's what I need. That's what I've been missing. It's one of the two. When you say today, and it was no different today than back when Jesus said it, but when you say in John 14, 6, I am the way, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through him, that's a stumbling block. It's not inclusive. Inclusive. It's exclusive. The conversation you have, you mean to tell me what pride do you have that what you believe is the only way? That's a stumbling block. That's what Peter is mentioning. He says they stumble because they disobey the word. They They don't respond to that as they were destined to do. Here's what I want you to just rejoice in today that you have been given a solid foundation to build your life upon. That's what you have. I've been given a foundation. You know what else I've been given? I've been given blueprints. I've been given blueprints. You know, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, I want you to turn there. This is a passage of scripture just to warn you. You're going to hear a lot in 2021 because Matthew 7, 24 through 27 is at the heart of our discipleship strategy here at Salem Chapel that we are now teaching our life group leaders and Lord willing, we'll be rolling out to the church as a whole in the fall of 2021 Because Matthew 7, 24 through 27 speaks of the foundation that we have in Jesus Christ. But it also speaks to the importance of us choosing if we are going to build on that foundation or not. See, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been given a sure foundation. We've just looked at that passage extensively this morning. But I still have to make the choice if I'm going to build on it or not. In Matthew 7, 24 through 27, I want you to look at this. He says, everyone, this is Jesus concluding the Sermon on the Mount. He says, everyone, everyone means you, me, everyone. Then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man or a wise woman who built his house on the rock. Who's the rock? It's Jesus. Just like we mentioned Peter describes Jesus as a rock. Look what happens to this house that's built on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat on that house. What's happening to the Jewish Christians that Peter is writing to? We could say that rain is beating on that house, wind is beating on that house, floods is beating on that house. They're experiencing difficulty, persecution, oppression, all of those different things. But look at the result because This person chose to hear the words of the Lord, do them, build on this foundation. What does it say? But it did not fall because this person had a tremendous IQ. This person had plenty of money in the bank. This person... Just had it all together. This person was of a certain race. This person was of a certain mindset politically. This person uh, came from a tremendous family. No, 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 it doesn't say any of those things. It says it did not fall because it had been founded on the, what's the next word? Rock. Now here's the antithesis, verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house, not on the rock, but on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now here, I don't want you to miss this. Even though it's simple, I don't want you to miss it. You have two individuals, described as the wise man, described as the foolish man. Let's look at the similarities. They both built a house they both heard the words of Jesus. They both experienced the same difficulty, same rain, same wind, same floods, but a completely different result. And the only difference is the wise man not only heard the words of Jesus, but he did something with them, and the foolish man didn't. And because he didn't, he was choosing to build his life on sand rather than rock. Here's my concern is that we have allowed so much outside noise around us during this time to cause us to think that even though I have the right foundation, I can live with a different set of blueprints and still expect my house to stand. And that's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is, is you have a sure foundation, you have a rock, but you and I have the choice of are we gonna build upon it or are we gonna say, no, 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 I want this person, I want these things, I want my favorite news channel, I want my favorite YouTube channels that I subscribe to to tell me how to build my house. And we wonder why we have so much angst in our soul. because we are allowing something else to feed us. When in reality, the fruit of the Spirit is described as love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control. And we gotta bring ourselves back to the what? Why am I different? Because I have a sure foundation. What's the second thing? Here's what it says in the beginning of verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Here's the second thing that makes you and me different as followers of Jesus Christ. Because Christ is our foundation. You are a part of one large house with one big family. See, what Peter does is he says, hey, there is a living stone And he's the cornerstone for your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. He is either seen as that or he's seen as a stumbling block. But if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he is your foundation. That's what you have been given in him. That's what makes you different than someone who's not a follower of Jesus Christ. But you are also living stones. It's not saying we're God's but we are also living stones and we are being built up as a spiritual house. That's why we say, uh, God does not reside in 610 Coliseum Drive. God comes, or the Holy Spirit comes into 610 Coliseum Drive when God's people gather together. The Holy Spirit was present in Thomas Jefferson Middle School for 14 years. Why? Because he likes to be in schools? No. Because that's where God's people gathered. Because we're his spiritual house. He lives in me. So where I go, the Lord goes. And we... We don't think about that enough. I don't think about that enough. That when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that he's like, "Ah." I look at myself, I'm like, man, I had nothing to offer the Lord. I was a sinner. But the Lord says, no, 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 I fashioned Johnny for a purpose. I saved him for a purpose. And I'm gonna take that stone and I know exactly where it fits in this spiritual house, I know exactly how he's going to minister in this one big spiritual family. I know how Susie fits. I know how Martha fits. I know how Mark fits. I know how Levi fits. You know what that ought to do for you? It ought to make you feel special. It ought to make you feel grateful. Remember, he's writing to a group of people that are oppressed, that have been persecuted, that are scattered, that are separated from their families, I'm sure, all over the five provinces of the Roman Empire. They're all over the place. And Peter is saying, hey, you're part of a family. I know these circumstances are difficult. I'm sure Peter was very empathetic in that. That Peter wasn't being dismissive of their pain. He wasn't being dismissive of their difficulty. He wasn't being dismissive of their fears and their struggles. No, no, no. What was he doing? He was anchoring them. And I'm so concerned that we're allowing culture that has no desire to see God for who he is. That sees Jesus as a stumbling block to tell us what's right and wrong. To tell us who we are and who we're not. We're different as followers of Jesus. And we're allowing things that have no regard for the Lord and ever seeing Jesus as Savior to tell us how we should react in these difficult times that we are living. And we need to wake up and to see ourselves wait a minute, just because you're black, and just because you're white, and just because you're Latino, and just because you're Asian. Like, praise God for those differences, but there ought not to be division between followers of Jesus Christ. I ought not to be ashamed when I say the Lord is our living hope and be judged that I'm being racist. We are allowing ourselves to be robbed of what anchors our souls in the midst of difficulty. And next week we will talk about we are called to live differently. There ought to be no racism and, and, and bigotry and all those things in the local church, but let's not allow the reality that there have been people over the centuries that have abused God's word, but just because they abuse God's word, that's rooted in a sinful man. That doesn't change that God's truth is truth. And we gotta bring ourselves back To what we've been given. And I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm half Puerto Rican and half white, half Latino, half white. Some of you didn't even know that. I'm thankful for my heritage. Thankful for that, grateful for that. All of those things. But even with that, guess what? I'm a part of a bigger family. I'm a part of a spiritual house. I've been made a part of something that's special, that will last forever. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, Paul says the same thing Peter is saying, where he says, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You no longer have to feel like you don't belong. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Man, let me not define someone because who they voted for. Let me just say this, because I want to say this. I don't want to leave any doubt. Uh, This was just as true when Trump was president as now that Biden is president. We're members of the household of God. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Hebrews 3, 6 says, we are God's house." We are a family. Can you say that sentence with me? We are a family. Say it again. We are a family. We're part of one big house. We're part of one big family. Here's the third thing. You have unhindered access to the Father. That's how you're different. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you place your trust in him, the end of verse five says, they were not only living stones but were to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Be- the middle of verse 9 says we're a royal priesthood. So he says we're a holy priesthood, we're a royal priesthood. Remember once again he's writing to Jewish believers so they would have understand the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. How not everybody just got to stroll into the tabernacle or the temple. Like you couldn't have done what you did today and say, hey, uh, so glad to be at the tabernacle at the temple. Oh, uh, oh, the, the, if we were to say the auditorium is the holy place, oh yeah, awesome. How many seats do we got? No, no, no. Only priests of one tribe even got to serve and offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. And one person, the high priest, to go into the most holy place where God's presence came down and offer a sacrifice on behalf of all the people. If you or I were to stroll in there, we would be dead. Why? Because God is holy and we are sinful. But here he says, that's no longer the case. In fact, what happened when Jesus died on the cross? That veil of that temple, Matthew 27, 51, was torn from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top, top to bottom to show that Jesus Christ is now our high priest, He's the one that is my mediator between a holy God and me being a sinful person. He's the one that allows me to be seen by God as without sin because of Jesus Christ was without sin. See, all of a sudden now, what Jesus Christ has given me when I place my trust in him is I have unhindered access to the Father. I remember going in, in, uh, in our household, when our kids turn 13, we take them on a special trip. The dad takes them on a special trip. And so Lily, when she turned 13, she wanted to see the Golden State Warriors play. She loves basketball. And I just got to be the beneficiary of that because I do too. But we're going to see Steph Curry. At the time, Kevin Durant played for them. Some of you have no idea what these names are, so just stick with me. Uh, Clay Thompson. And so, but she wanted to sit close to the court so Lori and I swallowed hard, because those aren't cheap seats, and so we scoured all over. We're like, where could we go for the cheapest, and does it, we had a budget and all that, so we found out we could go to New Orleans actually cheaper than going to Charlotte to see the game, and so Lily and I flew to New Orleans, we saw the city, we had great time together, and man, it was the most amazing thing. Man, we were like 10 rows from the floor. I'll never go to another NBA game again in person after that. And you know what was also Awesome. awesome? is we got to go to our own place to get our soda and our snacks. Like all of a sudden I felt so important because we didn't go with the common people. Up where they had to wait in lines back when you could do that, you couldn't could sit in stadiums with a bunch of people. Oh Lord, hopefully we can come that soon, right? And, and so it was so awesome. I was like, wow, I don't wait in line. Get all the popcorn I want. Didn't you have to pay for it which I did pay for it, but didn't have to pay for it and all the drinks and everything. I felt so like just special because not everybody got to do that in such a more profound way. Do you realize right now that as I'm talking, you can talk to God Almighty, the creator of the universe and never doubt that he doesn't hear you, that he doesn't care for you, that he's not going to intervene for you? Why? because of Jesus Christ. Unhindered access to the Father. You are a priesthood. Why is that significant as well? Why are we going after discipleship in this church in a tangible way to help you know how to read the Bible, to pray, to know how to, what's a process in which I can be obedient to the Lord? How do I pattern my life after Jesus? How do I share my grace story? Because what I don't, what we don't wanna go after is we don't wanna create people that say, well, I need something from the Lord, so I gotta show up on Sunday. It's Monday, I gotta wait till Sunday. Hopefully Johnny brings it, Because I need something. No, no, no. We want you to be able to say, man, just like Johnny can get something out of God's word, so can I. I'm not your priest. Your husband's not your priest. Your wife's not your priest. Your mom or dad's not your priest. No, you're a holy priesthood. You have unhindered access to the Father. Here's the fourth thing. You have been given a new identity with a new purpose. Says in verse 9, you are a chosen race and a holy nation. I'm not defined by my job. I'm not defined by my bonus this year. I'm not defined by the lack of it. I'm not defined by the color of my skin. I'm not defined by my economic status, I'm not defined on whether or not I had a mom or dad who loved me, I'm not defined by where I go to school, I'm not defined by what car I drive, I'm not defined by how many bedrooms or bathrooms are in my house, I'm not defined, but we go on and on and on. I am defined by one who is part of a chosen race. I am loved by God through Jesus Christ. When is the last time you thought about that when you had angst in your soul? We're different. We're different. And can I just say, for those of us who have been believers for a while, don't run away from the word chosen. Oh, does that mean God sends people to hell? No, Oh, I can't reconcile that in my brain. I have a free will, but God is sovereign. So we run away from the word because we don't, can't fully harmonize it in our brain. That's the worst mistake you can make. Remember, he's writing to people that are persecuted, that are oppressed, that are fearful, all of those different things. So you know what he does? He reminds them of what? God is in control. You're chosen. Here's what that does that devastates human pride because it reminds me I had nothing to do with my salvation. I was dead in my trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2. Verse 4 But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, he opened my eyes to realize that I needed a Savior. See, it removes me from the equations, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Here's what else it does. It gives you a reason to be filled with gratitude and joy. God, you loved me enough. You wanted me. He loved you enough that he wanted you. If you're watching here today and you haven't placed your trust in Christ, that he wants you in spite of what you've done? Yes. It fills our heart with gratitude in a way that a happenstance as great as it is can't. No, my gratitude is rooted in the reality that God loved me enough that he handpicked me to be one of his kids. I mentioned this before, I've had friends who have been adopted, who also had biological brothers and sisters, and I asked them, like, hey, do you ever struggle with that? He's like, no, it's the greatest thing ever. I'm like, why? Because he's like, I can remind them all the time, God, our, our mom and dad chose me, They didn't choose you. As simple as that is, that's, that's the amazing reality of this word. It provides you with security and strength. You know why? Because if I understand that God chose me, then there's security in my salvation. Because I'm in the hand of God and nobody can open up his fingers and take me. There's security and strength in that. There's joy in that. There's hope in that. He says we're also a holy nation. In other words, we are a set-apart people group. That not only have I been given a relationship with Jesus Christ, a new identity, but I've been given a new purpose that all of a sudden my life is not just meant to live to get a paycheck, to hopefully my kids don't end up in jail and hopefully I can retire someday. No, 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 I have a new purpose that the Lord actually wants to use me to make a difference in eternity. That remember, I'm part of one of those living stones that the Lord's made me for a mission, for a purpose that's not just about me. That was the essence of this testimony of Christian that we saw before this message, that all of a sudden I see that the Lord saved me, chose me, but now all of a sudden I see life differently. It's not just for me, it's to be used by the Lord. I'm a holy nation. And here's the last thing, and we'll be done It says, a people for his own possession. You are a person who has been given eternal value. You're his. I'm his. Can you just say that with me? I'm his. Say that. I'm his. Maybe that's the one for you that you need to be reminded of the most. I don't know. Which of the five? Which of the five did the Lord say, you know what? You've allowed yourself to drift from the what? From what you've been given. And you wonder why you're struggling with the why? It's because you forgot the what. His. Something doesn't go well at work tomorrow. God, I'm gonna trust you in that. Why? What's the what that informs the why? I'm his. My circumstances don't own me. That person who's hurt me doesn't own me. that unfortunate set of circumstances that I lived in growing up doesn't own me. No, 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 my Jesus owns me. I'm a part of his possession. I'm owned by him and who I am in Jesus. Do you see the significance of what happens when we bring ourselves back to the What? Revelation 5, 9 gives us a picture of heaven one day. And it says, and they, that's you, that's me, that's everyone who has placed their trust in Christ one day. And they sang a song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. In other words, Lord, you're the only one that's worthy to have authority over heaven and earth. You're the only one that's worthy to implement the plan that God has set forth. You were slain and by your blood, what did you do? You ransomed people. You paid the price that was necessary so that we could have what we talked about today. And he did that for every tribe and language and people and nation. Where? Have you drifted from the what? And I want to encourage you to put whatever it is that has been feeding your soul and just producing angst, to put it away, and just to read this passage of Scripture every day this week and see how it makes a difference. see how it makes a difference. Put God to the test. I promise you He will. I want you to stand with me this morning, and we're going to sing a song that we probably many of us know well called Cornerstone, reminding ourselves that Jesus is our cornerstone. And I know we've gone a little long this morning, but can I encourage you? Don't check out. Take this time to sing to Jesus. Like, it's you and it's him and you're all alone. And you just want to sing and thank him. That he's your foundation and he's made you different. Listen to me. If you're watching this online or you're in this room, you can call out to God right now and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I put my trust in you as my savior. And you can be different as well. But man, let's sing to our savior. You're not singing to Gray. You're not singing to Crystal. You're not sing- singing to Gabe not singing to the band, we're singing to Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are a cornerstone. Lord, I thank you that we can be reminded in your word what we have been given in Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us from drifting from those realities that anchor us in whatever voices, whatever circumstances are causing us to want to doubt that. God, we give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.